Bronson Walker from the Regicide Collective in Victoria. Indie Studio joins me now and live from your bedroom, dude. I love it. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good, man. Really good. Enjoying the sun. Glad to be out of lockdown. Back to gigs, back to life. And um, yeah, just happy, man. What about you? Uh, yeah, no, I'm going swell. Uh, welcome to the brand new studio, man. I mean, I know it doesn't really look like much, but uh, this is Goa's brand new HQ and you're the first interview that I'm doing out of it. So I don't know whether it's congratulations or commiserations by the end of this interview we'll find out um but this is this is cool i mean like i i've got so much to talk to you about man because you know like you're about as indie as it gets you're in the heartland of independent developers as is the regicide collective as a group um and i'm just so excited to find out what it's like to be an indie developer on your level so do you want to just sort of start with um who are the regicide collective and how you guys came together in the first place yeah, yeah. Um, so we're we're like a group of um, independent artists that have been brought together to realize the shared goal of um, this universe, regicide, uh, which is like a medieval analog, uh, an analog of the medieval world, and uh, a, a RPG and an RTS that's never been realized before. Um, what we want to be the prime prime role playing single exper- single player experience, and um, yeah, we. Um, we came together with our shared love of community and art and games and just being really passionate about what we're nerdy from everything from D&D to virtual games and um, other art as well. And um, yeah, yeah. RPG and RTS. Now, I've, I've got a whiteboard to my right-hand side, right? And I've got a little marker pen. And I, I like to keep track of, like, things that are being dropped throughout my interviews and whatnot. So I'm going to write some of this stuff down so I know that I can come back to it, okay? So RPG... Yeah. RTS, you said it's a first. We'll come back to that in a moment, right? But when you say you're a collective group of artists, who are you and how did you find each other in the first place? Um, well, crikey. It all started out... Um, it all started out with um, me and one of, the, uh, one of my old mates um, and uh, we were doing uh, school certificate three in media and we just started... Uh, I just learned um, from one of the guys. I was taught by one of the guys who did... Uh, worked on fable which is one of my favorite games from back in the day and he um he was teaching me like uh, 3d modeling and stuff and i started learning how to model characters for video games because i was always interested in games since like growing up you know playing playing zelda and elder scrolls and morrowind and back in the floppy these days you know how it is um and <laughs> jill of the um, jungle yeah. i remember that i don't know if you remember that game jim like i remember the first pc games on floppy disk that i had and i was playing them at school were jill of the jungle and lemmings <laughs> Oh, Lemmings rings a bell. I yeah. remember Duck Hunt. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez, now we're going back a ways. Sorry, mate. I digress. Continue. No, no, that's chill. And um, so we started, um, I started like modeling uh, characters for video games. And so I started to think, what would be the best game? And I was like, oh, Elder Scrolls, uh, Skyrim, you hit this wall where it's like, oh, I'm the Yarl of White Run, you know, I run, I run a Warriors Guild, I'm Lord of the Thieves, you know, and I'm King of the Stormcloaks, no big deal. But you go up to a guard and he's like, what are you doing? You've stolen my sweet roll, go away. And it's like, <laughs> you don't get treated like a Lord would in the medieval world. And you yeah. can't lead an army, you can't build a castle, and you hit this wall. And then you play games like... Um, 
games like Age of Empires or Warhammer Total War 2, you know, they've got these amazing worlds that you can control, but not as much detail into the little little parts of medieval life or being able to control an immersive character. And I thought, what if you brought those two worlds together? And um, since then, I've just been writing that idea as hard as possible through the thick and thin and um, met some really cool people that were keen, um, some friends from school and um, friends from uni and through the courses and um, started off by modeling this character, Lorius, who is this necromancer and writing a story around him being the main character. And it just started to grow from there. Mate, this is nuts. Uh, and the reason why is because, you know, you, you, you talk RTS RPG, like you're talking about some really big ideas, right? So, you know, you're, the thing that I love about indies is that there's this huge freedom about being able to solve issues and problems around games that come from somewhere inside through your own experience. So like you've, you know, looked at these genres and stuff and you've gone, these are great genres, but there's some stuff missing and I want to create that. Um, but I mean, you're attacking big genres. So where, where do you even start when it comes to, to building something like you're building? Yeah, yeah, well, exactly, man. And games are huge. So, well, I started off learning uh, 3D, like 3D model. So I made a character, sketched them out, started writing the story. Um, and then I learned, I learned that you needed to learn how to program. So I went to uni, I got a diploma in games, started programming, coding, and that was massive brick wall for me, I think, you know, um, but I kept going and then, um, what do you, what do you mean it was be, a brick wall? What, what happened oh, there? Just it's, I, I broke it eventually. I'm, 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 I'm better now, but like, it's, it's tough. Programming is tough and it's like, it's constantly throwing these challenges at you and you have to interface with a computer in a way that humans just don't naturally do. Um, some people do think quite mathematically and logically, but you do have to sort of switch your mindset to get into code. Um, well, it'd and, be interesting for yeah. you, right? Because you, like you said, you sort of all started this, like you're a group of artists and so you're a creative. So to, to get in the mindset of like logical and coding would actually be quite an alien experience for you, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I failed year 10 general math. I never thought it would be important to me and then decided to become a game developer. And I was like, you need a program. Um, but yeah. Um, and yeah, we do have some, some talented devs on board, but you're right. I think, I think the hybrid of like two separate worlds, like where logic and art meet, you find some really fascinating stuff in yourself and about art, like where those sort of polar opposite vocations come together, you get some really, really kind of cool results. Um, so yeah, and it's just, I, I actually, the first time I tried to make Regicide, I made it in Blender, uh, which had a game engine at the time and is a 3D modeling software. Um, and it was shocking. But um, then I learned how to use Unity and C Sharp and, and it's just been a lot of trial and error and um, and stuff from there, yeah. Okay, so, you know, when you talk about Blender, when you talk about Unity, when you talk about C Sharp, so I'm a person who just loves games and I play games, but I've never actually gone to the trouble of building one. Right. right. So for, for someone who's watching this and it's just your average sort of punter who, who loves games as well as interested in yeah, the indie yeah. space, you know, can you talk us through the process of like, you know, getting stuck into a program like Blender versus getting stuck into another program like Unity and where the differences lie in between those sorts of things, why you've got to jump across to Unity and that's where you really start to flourish? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so Blender's... Um, it's uh, editable, like sort of three D environment. Um, so you get uh, 
you, you, it's a, this big open infinite 3D space where you can create an object. And every every game, every, every mesh, every video game comes down to the the points and edges and faces that make it up. And in Blender, you can interface with that and move around the topology, move around the the uh, the mesh and edit them and um, and change them to look like the objects you want. Then you can texture and color them um, and animate them by you literally build a skeleton inside of it and weigh it to the mesh and um, and then you set and like you set. Um, set keyframes to animate it and move it along so it's like it's it's sort of like think of it as like um like clay you know you're you're modeling you're you're sculpting something but you're using little points and little digital tools to build that um unity on the other hand unity uh is like an editor or a, a game engine um where it happens and it's 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 more like um most game engines are like this they're more like the place where all of that comes together. So you have the space where you can bring in your um, bring in your objects, bring in your characters after they're sculpted, bring in your textures, and then start to give them, assign them components, which means they'll interact with physical and functional and logical ways with other things within the game space. Um, and then you attach your scripts, which are like your... Um, sort of like the, the the functionality or the brain behind an object or like you know how it works um essentially and you start to give it bits of data and logic that will make it operate in a certain way and that's that's um that's when you're building a game of course there's the design and the art and um the stuff that are all around that and the 2d art but at its core that's that's what you're doing with those tools this this might be an incredibly complicated question for you to answer um or rather i suppose a, a complicated question for you to answer for an idiot like me um like the if could you put that into a scenario like say for example you were you were um i don't know building a building a warehouse and your sculpted character is in that warehouse. Can you walk us through how unity helps you build that scenario out as a program? Like are there preconceived things where you can just sort of drag and drop? All right, I want to put a warehouse here and I'm going to put my character there. And then I'm going to link all of these different things that if you hit the, you know, the W key, he walks forward. Like, is, is that how it sort of comes together? Yeah, yeah. Well, so what you've just explained is uh, in computer science is called like levels of abstraction. So if you go back, and now this this is this is pretty mind blowing. Oh, this is, I asked, so, I was this in is a the good stuff. This lecture. is what I was after. <laughs> this is insane. I was All in right. a computer science lecture once, and I was like, I was just sitting there, just like this is this is this is crazy. I'm, I'm not. Uh, this is so big level. What's going on? And I asked my lecturer. I'm like, at what point? Does electricity or engine, uh, energy become a binary signal or a pixel or a word or something on your screen? And he just said, never. It is. It's this continuous string of energy. And I was like, I was seeing like where biology and DNA and electricity meet and just having this mind-blowing epiphany. Well, uh, okay, so hang on a sec. Wait a minute. So, so you, need to, you, need to, you need to run it back for me, okay? So, so you're... You're in the lecture theater, yeah. right? What was the question yeah. you hit him with one more time? I, I'm dumbing this down because I'm following it in a way where I know people watching this or listening to this right now on the podcast are going to be following it as well. So I'm giving him another chance to hear this question, right? So hit, hit me with the yeah. question again. 
So I asked him, at what point does electricity, right. like p- power put to your computer, yeah. become a binary number, like a number or a word or a pixel or a video? Like at what point does that happen? Right. So what what was the purpose of that question? Well, I guess it was trying to understand the computer a bit better and how it operates. Okay. Um, and to, yeah. Um, and to answer your early question about this scenario, um, it's it's called abstraction. So um, what you start to do is you get all computers start with a very simple mechanical base where you have a, a signal, like some power sent, and it's either on or off, or they're both on, and it's just a series of gates or circuits, right? And um, then you start to assign <clears throat> binary to that. So this is on, this is off, this is on, this is off. That's right. a binary string, 1001. And you can convert that into numbers or um, words or all sorts of things. And then essentially you're pointing um, uh, sort of binary strings to uh, like registers and things. And, and then from there, it, each, each level um, computer engineers uh, and, uh, start to make it a little bit more human, a little bit more readable. Um, so all of a sudden you have words that mean things or you can point to keys or letters you, from those signals becoming binary, um, becoming uh, binary strings. And then Unity is what we'd call, it's quite high, C Sharp's quite, uh, the, the programming language is a quite high level of, of abstraction because over the years, all of the people making the engines have continued to abstract it to the point where you can pull from the library that already exists with previous functions or methods. So things that will work in your game. So, mm. um, so for instance, then you can, um, you can add a, comp- a pre-made component to uh, a, an object, right. That will give it mass and velocity uh, and a collider. Those are things that have already been sorted out by the library, sorted out by the engine. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So like if you created like a ball or a sphere and you wanted to, you know, to, to in, for the sake of argument um, in the game, uh, make that sphere out of aluminium, then, you know, you could, you could deduce the size of that sphere and then like drag in all of those principles that have already been created in the unity engine that are in the library. And it goes, okay, I know it's aluminium. I know aluminium generally weighs this much, uh, I know it's this big, and so if I drop it from a height of one meter, I'm going to see it fall on the screen at this speed, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, that's that's referred to as a, a rigid body component. Um, and you could literally, it, it has a, s- a set of data or variables that you can change, and one of them is its mass. Um, but there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in games. A lot of things yeah. look and feel like they are, but there's usually nothing behind that wall because we want to save space because um, they get pretty chunky. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's exactly right. So for you as a developer, um, it, it kind of say, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 22. You're 22. I'm 36. I feel like 22, like you know so much about this, but like it almost sounds like you have to know 100 years worth of knowledge to create a game, right? So... Are you are you collectively using a hundred years worth of knowledge that has been brought around by everybody else to form this program that makes it makes it easy enough to be able to use, rather than I don't know if you were building a pizza, for example, having to make the dough from scratch. 
Absolutely. And um, I'm blessed, absolutely blessed to have uh, those tools. And that's what those levels of abstraction have given us so that we have those things in, in game editors these days and in tools software. We can actually, we, it's a bit, in, in the old days, you'd have to do, oh, some of the stuff back there, man, with circuits and assembly code, which is what it's called. It's just nuts. And, and like interfacing with LEDs and stuff. Like, I, I couldn't get my head around that. Um, but once now it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more understandable. Uh, it's a little bit more, um, humanized, uh, and yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's definitely been made easier over the, especially over the past 10 years. That's yeah. wild. That is absolutely yeah. wild. So yeah. what can you tell us about your game so far? Where are we at? Um, so Regicide, the dawn of the necromancer, I've been designing and, and we have been designing and writing this game for years now, since, since the, the conception of the story. Um, but <laughs> we've learned quite a bit along the way. Um, and we actually tried making some other games. So it, we, um, we, we sort of moved our development to other games and then, uh, sort of continue sort of the writing and building the community instead. And, um, and, and now we've come back to Regicide and now we're, we're working on it officially, but instead of working on the full game, because it has quite a big scope, uh, as we say in the industry, like a big, big, it's a big game. Um, so what I'm doing is we're working on a prequel to Regicide called Regicide Frontier, which is what we would call in a, uh, early, no, it's not even in beta. It's in, it's in sort of a white boxing vertical slice concept stage where we're we're sketching stuff out where um we're designing things in our design document where um sort of putting in little boxes in place that might be how the game will feel without any any of the paint or the pictures or um stuff like that so an, an early stage but we've got a good idea of the story we've got a good idea of um the mechanics how it's going to feel how it's going to look um we've got most of that sort of this might sound like a really uh, open-ended question, but is is developing a game frustrating? Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reason why I ask, right, is because, like, I, I couldn't do it. I, I don't think I could do it. My personality is the sort of personality where, um, like, if I'm painting a room, for example the cutting in part where you have to be really meticulous along the borders, I get a meter into that stuff and I'm done. I'm like, this is, this is going <laughs> to kill me. But I like just the nice, easy strokes of the up and down. Once you've done all the hard, meticulous little bits, you know, and that's why I think I would get very frustrated making games. Cause I would look at things and I'd just go, what, what I'm telling you to do that. Why don't you just do that? Is that, is that a lot of what it's like? Yeah, I mean, well, your philosophy might be the true key to happiness in a lot of ways, you know, <laughs> being in your nature and just enjoying what, what you've got, you know. Um, I, have you, you know the meme um, with flex tape, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll uh, debugging, so bug fixing and developing a game. Um, I would say imagine a uh, battleship, like you have this this big destroyer, like a battleship. Okay. Yep. And a hole pops up in it and you've been building this battleship and then this hole pops up in it and you just slam some flex tape on there and then another hole pops up on the other side and you're like, right. why? And then you just, you just sort of keep doing <laughs> that and it just keeps on blowing out the other side until you finally realise that there was an orange in the engine for some reason. Right. That's why it wasn't working. That <laughs> is the best 
metaphor for this I have ever heard in my entire life. Quite often the problem is not where you think it is. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, is that because... Um, is that because along the way, I, I, I feel like we're, get, we're doing metaphor upon metaphor upon metaphor <laughs> here, right? So stick with me, yeah. okay? So say, for example, I'm building a Lego um, battle destroyer, right? Star yeah. Wars, big ship. I've built a few of them. Now, I have gotten an hour and a half into three hours worth of building one of these, and I've realized that along the way, I have, um, instead of placing a strip of Lego the way that it's meant to be, I've placed it, you know, at a 90 degree angle instead. And so all yeah. of a sudden the whole thing skew if, all right. Yeah. But even though on the outside, the whole thing looks skew if it's like a hundred steps back somewhere that I have to go digging to go and find where the hell it is that this thing is. And then I have to fix it. Now, is it, is it the same when you're talking about the orange in the engine can it happen where it's like you guys are finding these holes popping up in the battleship, but you've had to go back a hundred steps to be able to find that there was the orange in the engine in the first place? Yeah, yeah, and that is one of the most painful things. I'll bet. I'll bet. And yeah, you've nailed it, nailed it. Um, that's why we have um, source control. So, you, you know, that's why um, game devs are really serious about the releases and the versions because they can roll back and redeploy an old version. And the reason that is, is quite literally, if you haven't got it right at the start, then you keep you keep stacking on this wobbly pole um, and then everything goes wrong and you can't, you some, there's some things you can't undo, they just have to be right. Like um, a 3D model has to have its origin at zero. It has to be at zero, you know, before you bring it in into the, the thing. And you, you have to, before you rig it, before you animate it, you need to make sure everything in the mesh is ready. And then um, before you bring it into the game, you need to make sure all of its animations are ready because once someone started coding, you know, and, and tying it into things, um, you can't, it's, you, you got, asking the artists to rip it out of the game, change it, there are ways of doing it. Um, but going back and putting something in, it messes everyone else's pipeline. Up. Oh, I can imagine because it's all built on top of that one thing, right? So for, if you've got to roll back and redeploy, does that mean that all of the, say, for example, you guys have released version, you know, 1.17 and then at version 1.25, you guys go, oh, shit. Like now, if you have to roll back and redeploy to 1.1, does that mean those other 0.05s worth of things, does that all just disappear? Is that all gone? Or, or do you go, all right, we go back to that version, we fix that, and then we throw this stuff back on that's already over here in this cabinet because we built it and we just need to put it on top or does that affect it that much that you have to muck around with this stuff again on your way back up to where you were kind of and it depends how clever of a developer you are right um and uh uh phil one of my uh, phil and james my some of the devs that work with us they're really good at, at at doing that thinking from the beginning thinking about how can we um sort of make it into modular components so that we can keep them isolated, mm. uh, this script, and we don't lose it. But sometimes, yeah, sometimes the the sum of all of the parts you lose. So you might lose the scene where you're building things in and a lot of little details you did within the editor, but you won't lose the assets that you've made before then. You don't necessarily have to lose the scripts, um, but you can, and you, you can, you know, things can corrupt and go bad. 
time there's always that threat but um mostly it's just it's the place where everything's going together that takes the most damage right. um and yeah okay so put this into put put um regicide let's let's start with frontier right so yep. if you can put regicide frontier into perspective for me in terms of what you guys are building out because it'll sort of lead me to other questions that I want to pick your brain on right but how how big is it versus something like a um uh, um oh god all i can think of is fuss rodar um <laughs> <laughs> Um, like a, like an Elder Scrolls, like how you know, versus something like that. How how big? Um, and considering this is a prequel, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, or is Red there is, is there a current sort of triple A title where you could like in terms of size, your vision, maybe even not for Frontier, maybe for the whole game. Yeah. Um, you know, like what vision have you guys got? What game does it stack up to in terms of sheer size? Um, yeah, in terms of scope, I would say Regicide the Dawn of the Necromancer is probably probably bigger, if not 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 necessarily in game space, but mechanically and, and in size literally of the map. Um I would say uh Dawn of Regicide Dawn of the Necromancer is probably comparable to Skyrim or Oblivion. Right. Um, more, um but uh Regicide Frontier is um, kind of canned. It's 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 like imagine just like you were just playing in Markarth or Stormwind. It's just like a it's just a piece. It's a microscope in the Regicide universe of this one place. And then we might we might in DLC move to other places in the universe. Right. And the reason we're doing that is that we can we can show people the world. We can build up the game uh, and actually carry some of those mechanics over to. Uh, it kind of helps us as like a step ladder to the whole title regicide. Now I'm just going to quickly Google something. So Bethesda Game Studios. Uh, oh God! Um, and I want Skyrim. Okay. So, all right, Bethesda Game Studios and Skyrim. Um, let's see how. I wonder if I can get how many. I want to know how many people work for Bethesda. Lots. Right. 420 <laughs> plus employees as of 2021. Yep. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. How many are in your studio? Um, right now there is sort of not including uh, like allies and other networks are at about eight to eight, eight, nine of us. Right. Eight or nine of us. Uh, so eight or nine of you versus 420. Yeah. And the game in terms of scope is comparable to Skyrim. So, yep. like, I'm, I am blown away I, <laughs> to hear that. I am absolutely blown away because I've played Skyrim. I, I've played Skyrim so much. I've played it and I've finished it and then I've played it again. And, yeah. I, like, it, it is so big. And every time that I thought to myself, I've done it and I've been everywhere, then I'd find a bloody cave or I'd find an elevator that would take me to some underground place that seems just as big as the surface world. Like, it was... It was nuts. So for a team of like eight or nine of you, this is such a monumental task. How like how long are you spending working on this? Are you spending every waking moment of your day working on this game? Um, wouldn't be able to afford to live where I do if I did. Right. Well, um. that's the other thing. As an indie developer, you've got to work in actually having an income as yeah, well. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's um, wild, we, man. We stream most days of the week and we have two to three meetings a week and then we work in and out and within the wee hours and whatever we can slip in over the past couple of years. Wow. Um, but to, I, I, get, I suppose I've got an analogy for this. Yeah. Um, the, and this is not uh, a, my, this is not a, just so this is not a, you guys aren't going to be able to do this. I, no, like, no, no, I, no, no, I, no, This is a, totally. I, I just find it astounding. I just yeah, find it yeah. just in terms of sheer volume and numbers and vision. And this is what I love about indie so much is that you have to have such a passion for it to shoot for the stars like that. So, sorry, go on, continue. No, absolutely. You're totally right, man. I agree. And um, there's a saying, a story once where um, I think it was Michelangelo was working on, it might have been Raphael, but he was working on the Sistine Chapel. And I don't know if you've ever seen photos or been to Florence. I've been there. Beautiful. Yeah, You've been it's there? absolutely you know gorgeous. Magnificent, yeah. yeah. And the, the paintings all across there, and they've got gods and people and mm. immaculately realistic and yep. all of this. The Pope comes in and goes, Michelangelo, I've, I've got guests coming. You know, I've got people coming. I want you to finish the chapel. You need to hurry it up. I don't care what it takes. You know, no, hurry it up. Finish, finish off the painting. Michelangelo comes up and he says, he says, if you rush me, if you want this done quicker. I can leave right now. I'll, I'll stop and get someone else to paint it. And the Pope's like, oh, oh no, 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 no. And, and I, I mean, that's kind of how I say it. You know, it's, it's more about the art. It's more about the, you know, the passion. And that, that kind of makes the scope okay because we do enjoy doing it. We get to draw dragons and knights and we get to use skills in an industry that's quite hard to get into, you know, like so people come on and, and, um, and, and our community get to talk about these things that they love and they get to, Give I you know bring ideas and talk about stuff and and um, uh, my team and and they get to work on things that they're really good at and passionate about but might not have the the chance to in other places for some of them you know um, yeah and it's 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 it is hard <laughs> it's good um, I I want to hit you with a word and the word is crunch um, mm. and it's it's a word that we hear often uh, and in actual fact quite. Um, often over the last sort of few years, a lot of the major game studios have come under pressure from their employees for what they call, um, you know, quite archaic crunch um, times, uh, you know, yeah. almost barbaric, right? So, you know, you as somebody who doesn't have the luxury of having, a, you know, a staff of 400, 420 plus people, yeah. What What are your thoughts on crunch? Do you kind of look uh, at it and go, yeah, it is barbaric, or do you look at it and go, well, this is the price you pay to make this form of art? There's two sides to it, like like anything, but primarily it's like corporate corruption, really, and a misunderstanding of what the institution is, mm. what art is, because you can't rush art and you end up with cyberpunk <laughs> because <laughs> you have a bunch of people with tons of cash going make call of duty 5006 like oh we haven't got any new ideas just just give them like a grappling hook chuck in some new skins and some grenades and and uh, like a new badge for prestige and they're like well okay but it's not going to be any better than the last call of duty uh and they go i don't care get it out there yeah. and then the devs were you know you know pressured sorry i don't mean if, if uh, oh. have a go at any of those games or those companies like they're monumental but you game it's, it didn't used to be like that like if you look at some of the older games look at and and there are many devs now but look at like legend ocarina of time legend of zelda or look my at, favorite um, game of all time 
Bar none. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. You legend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at or a lot Age of Empires 2. Um, these are games where the devs were like, we're going to take the time it takes to make this a good game. Uh, and that comes at a huge sacrifice because sometimes it's it's like a never-ending Never ending goal, you know. Um, well, particularly yeah. because games these days, like you know, your major AAAs are often games as a service now. Like that's the the business model. So not only are you having to, you know, you're not just shipping Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time as it was, and nothing can be updated on it, and there's no expectation from the players that it should be updated. You know, whereas these days it's like, no, like I've I've completed the campaign. What are you going to hit me with next? Like, keep it keep it coming, Mister Developer. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge, crazily huge expectation from devs, um, and yeah. And I, um, uh, one of my mentors just released a game, The Artful Escape. Uh, really cool. And um, The Artful you know, Escape. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've yeah, heard. Um, who's the studio that's from? I've heard of that game. I want to say. Cake hat, but I think I'm wrong. Um, let me check. Um, it is by, uh, yeah, Beethoven and Dinosaur. Um, uh, one of my friends, uh, my mentors is, is from there, and he was telling me the scope of his, his studio is a lot more sort of professional than mine in terms of uh, scale and money and all of this. And um, yeah, then the, the amount of work they put in, the amount of money going in and out of the studio to to make it work and to, it's is really monumental. And then like, you know, it's 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 so hard to get that back from sales. Like the the pressure is huge. Mm. And that's why um we, you know we've we we with the state that we're in in terms of like starting from a bunch of mates, a bunch of uni students, a bunch of really passionate, cool people. We've we've kind of had to just play it by ear. But um, I've also had to we've, we've had to done certain things so that we are moving, you mm-hmm. know. And it's it's it, it really came down to like the morale and the willingness to want to be here and want to be a part of it. So, yeah, of like, course. You, I mean, yeah, that's that's you, the bare minimum, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Wow, just wow. So so okay. Like, do you have like a, I mean, you know, I know you're saying um, like Michelangelo, you can't rush art, um, but do you have a, a time frame in mind as to when you guys would like this project completed, at least to the degree where you can release a beta or an, or an early access version of it or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd give Frontier one to two years. I reckon we'll have at least an early access or some demos by the end of 2022. Um, Regicide front, Regicide, um, the dawn of the necromancer. I'd probably give eight um, from this point, from the end of frontier, um, maybe more uh, about, about eight years, but that's, that's a lot of variables, you know, mm. it depends on how much the studio grows, you know, how much um, time we can spend on it. Um, and yeah, a lot of, a lot of different variables, but yeah, hopefully aiming for one to two years for frontier. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, one to two years, yeah, not, not too bad. Eight years. It's a, it's in, it's insane. Like just thinking about the fact that, you know, in, in eight years, like you'll be 30. Man, you'll yeah. be you'll be celebrating your if everything goes to plan, you'll be celebrating your thirtieth birthday the same year you release that game. Yeah, man, that's the plan. That's wild, <laughs> absolutely wild. Well, man, it's been really nice chatting to you. Um, 
look, before we let you go, you know, for anybody who would love more information and to follow you guys a lot closely, where can they find all of the stuff? Yeah, um, well, you can check us out uh, at Redicide, the Redicide Collective Twitch. Um, you can check us out at uh, our Patreon. We're looking, we're looking for people who want to be more involved in the community, get uh, you know, understand more about games, or to be involved with our gaming stuff on Twitch and on our Discord. And it's all at www.theredicidecollective.com. Check it out, Bronson. Nice chatting to you, mate. Thank you. Thank you so much, Petey. Pleasure to meet you. Cheers. Pleasure. That's Bronson Walker, the Regicide Collective. Go and check him out, guys. Cheers.